Hey guys, it's the return of the Flames Nation podcast, which will be happening weekly. Uh, it's tonight, um, November 16th. Uh, we're as hot off the presses of a fantastic Flames victory over the Arizona Coyotes. And uh, on the line here, we've got Christian Tiberi. What's going on, buddy? Hello. Uh, good. How about yourself? Uh, you know, just basking in the warm, glowing glow of a Flames victory. We've got our wonderful managing editor slash boss lady, Ari Yanover. Hey. And uh, on on location this uh, brisk evening, we've got uh, press box legend himself, Ryan Pike. What's up, buddy? Hi. So two games in a row, two victories. Um, the goals are coming slowly but surely, and uh, it feels like we're in the era of... Uh, two wonderful surrogate fathers and Michael Backlund and Michael Freelich and their wonderful son, Matthew Kachuk. Uh, Ari, what'd you think of the game tonight? Uh, I think they did pretty well. Um, I mean, it took them a while to actually get scoring, but it's, that's kind of been a thing for them lately. So at some point they're going to bust out of it. They have too many players who should be performing that aren't at the moment. And yeah, it's just once they finally get that goal, cause like, Okay, so they break down at the very end of the second period. They probably are thinking about going into the room. And it feels like we've seen that story. Well, we have seen that story at pretty much every single game where one single mistake goes against them after a dominating period. And this time they actually didn't give up. So that was nice. Pike, what'd you like on site there? Um, basically the same thing. Uh, coincidentally, I asked uh, Flames head coach Glenn Gullitson about uh, how he felt about the Flames' response uh, to that late goal, because we've seen this movie before, time and time again. Uh, you can you can pick up the exact quoting in the uh, the post-game article, but uh, he, he really liked the response. Uh, generally speaking, they, I think, 80-85% of the game carried the play. They pressed, they pressed, they pressed. They couldn't beat a hot goalie. We've seen occasions before when the team got you know disheartened about not being able to overwhelm a hot goalie. This time, they just kept at it, and they got a really nice goal off a really inventive little play by uh, by the uh, let's just call him the top line now, the backland uh, Froley Kachuk line, and then Froley gets another goal in overtime, and Bob's your uncle. I thought they played they were playing a team that's objectively not very good outside of Mike Smith, and outside of Mike Smith, they just batter them. And then Mike Smith allowed enough goals that they got two points. So it is what it, it, it was. What it was. Yeah, Christian. Anything else to chime in about? Uh, nothing much besides what Ari and uh, Ryan said. Just they look pretty good for a team coming off a of back-to-back. I didn't really notice anyone doing poorly besides that one writer goal. But otherwise, they just look like a functional team tonight. Yeah, like I, I came home late from the Oil Kings game, so I only caught the end of the second and then the third period, obviously. I'll go back and watch the first two periods there, but I I don't know if it was the goal that kind of sparked them, but the way that, that the top line or the 3M line just kind of carried play there in the third period, it was just pure insanity. And then you kind of have that that guy in Michael Furland that I think all, you know, all four of us can agree deserves more and more ice time. Cause mm-hmm. it seemed like as the period went on in the third, Michael Furland continued to create havoc. It was just, it was like the equivalent of entropy happening there. Like the coyotes couldn't really do much when he was on the ice, destroying everything in his path. And, you know, he kind of claimed a victim tonight from what I saw. And 
it looks promising. I just hope that what we see in him from an objective standpoint and from an observational standpoint uh, that Glenn Galdson can hopefully see sometime soon and kind of reward the guy because he's playing out of his mind. Um, but yeah, I, I don't, I don't get that. I'm jumping in. I don't get that. That okay? He's great energy guy. He looks fantastic on the fourth line. He can actually provide offense too. Did Did you see that uh, in the first period? He had that beautiful rush where I forget which Kyrie's defenseman on the left side was trying to pinch in, and he just found like Ferland is a good skater but we wouldn't say he's brody or anything like that but he seems just to find another gear and just wiggle past him and you know and mm-hmm. probably generate the best chance of the first period just completely based on a heads-up play and some good foot speed yeah i'm looking it up again right now because he's at seven points so like he has as many points as say your big off-season signing in brower or our hero, Michael Backlund, and he's doing it with a fraction of the ice time. So what gives here? Yeah, I like the, I guess the, that concern from last season that his shooting percentage would finally hit normal. Like, I mean, obviously it hasn't come yet, but I think given the volume that he's shooting at right now with like that limited capacity you mentioned, it it's bound to happen at some point in, I guess like the right, the best way to write the ship there is to put him in a, a position to succeed and that would likely be on the second line or even the top line or some something that gives him that ability and insulates him. Uh, besides the wonderful play of Michael Furland stepping up tonight, we, we probably want to talk about Johnny Gaudreau and the finger and the subsequent inability that the NHL referees have in, uh, I guess, consistently calling slashes because there was 21 of them last night and there were, certainly wasn't 21 uh, penalty calls. So, uh, what do we make of this, guys? What I personally hate, like, okay, there was bad roughing tonight, or last night if you're listening to this Thursday. There's bad roughing in the Phoenix game, too. But what I hate is when you have bad roughing that excuses dangerous plays or intent to injure. Like, there are going to be stupid plays. There's going to be, like... And cross-checks aren't that great either, but there are going to be plays where we saw it in back-to-back games where someone else cross-checks a flame, nothing happens, flame cross-checks someone else, they get called. But there is nothing about hockey to do with the slashes Gaudreau was taking. That is pure intent to injure, and that's what gets me when refs don't call that stuff because that's the stuff that needs to get gone. I think the challenge is, though, like if, if you're looking at almost any other type of Penalty, like say, oh, Ryan, check you're behind a little bit here. I, I, I just think the challenge, you guys can over, always reiterate this later on uh, when you're actually recording and this is useful audio, but I think the challenge is like, say, uh, going back to Ari's whole point about intent to injure, pretty much any other play, you know, like you, if you hack a stick, there's a broken stick and it's obvious there's some remnant, some obvious visual remnant of, oh, you know, something shitty happened here. 
But, you know, same with, you know, cross-checking, almost every other penalty. But if you're just hacking a padded area, unless you, you know, bust out the x-ray machine at that moment and say, hey, look, his hand's mush now. What the hell? In that moment, it's very difficult to catch it. Yeah, but 21 times. That's not difficult to catch. Yeah. If you're looking for it. Well, if it's their job, it's literally their job to look for it. So I should hope they're looking for it. Well, there's a, you know, there's there's a lot of things happening on the ice. There's goals and no, in around. that case, there weren't so, goals. They should probably look at the guys carrying the puck. That's true. Oh <laughs> uh, no, he's just a little guy. Come on, he'll be fine. Yeah, yeah. by New Year's, so we're not going to get our traditional Johnny hat Christmas hat trick. So that's nice. Maybe we'll get the Chinese New Year hat trick. Have you considered that? That'll be our new tradition. <laughs> anyway, it's midnight and Wi-Fi's terrible, so I'm logging out. But uh, enjoy, you guys. I'll, uh, we'll get this stuff in here at least. You finished strong. Excellent. That's that. Like the flames, that's the goal. And I didn't need a shootout. <laughs> Perfect. Damn, okay. I don't even... It's it's almost indescribable that th- this could be one of the first times that the entire Flames fan base is unified on one idea, which is that Gaudreau actually needs to be protected in some capacity, either by the rules and the referees of the league or by his teammates to any regard. Because, you know, the discussion earlier today being what is England, what is Furland, what is Brower doing when this is happening, or even like what is Sam Bennett doing? Like there's a number of different guys on this team that could have stepped up and, you know, quote-unquote, made a, made a point on the ice, I guess, if we want to go down that route, and seemingly none of it happened. Well, like we've had those uh, deterrents, or whatever you want to call them, for what... Like, we've had McGratton, Bowleg, England... Westgarth. Whoever else. Yeah. Westgarth. Like, every time, it's just... Like, Gaudreau is still getting slashed. They're not deterring anything. Like, there were two fights last night, which I think is 67% of the fights that have been happening for the Flames this season, it, no one's learning a thing. Like The only way to punish a team is to punish them by sending a player to the box. Punish them on the score sheet, not physically. Yeah, I never... Okay, admittedly, I'm not a high-level professional hockey player, so I can't speak as to their mindset, but I've never really understood the whole fear thing. Like I remember Furlan's first game... Lasted two periods because he got headshotted at the end of the second period. McGradden was literally on the ice when that happened and he didn't do anything. So I don't get the whole deterrence thing. And I don't get, if you make it to that level, what exactly about a guy who can't skate is going to make you afraid? Yeah, I, I the deterrent thing was like a really strange topic because on a, a brief tangent here, like there was some discussion about Shea Weber as a deterrent, especially in high danger areas. And it wasn't so much that he could like punish you physically. It was that he could beat you in close with just, you know, a, a mix of different attributes that would intimidate people. And maybe like, like Christian and like what you're saying, you know, maybe you need the right blend, but there was a, there was like a brief discussion earlier today. That I spotted on Twitter. I think that came from the radio. Um, it might've been Nick Kiprio saying that part of the reason why the team didn't step up in, the situation with the slashing was that nobody is friends in the, the locker room with Gaudreau anymore. And there's a big <laughs> blowout. And I just thought that was like the, the peak of the tinfoil hat situations here. Cause you've got people talking about bone density and propensity <laughs> for uh, injuries and in smaller players when there's limited correlation on that topic. And it, it like, 
Oh, on one hand. Taylor Hall and Steven Stamkos got bad news today, too. And they're weird. They're notably tiny players, right? Obstensively uh, league average in every regard. But yeah, like and Darren Helm, who is also in that uh, category as well of obstensively average height and average weight. I don't know. It was just like, on one hand, we saw like a unification of like, oh, wow, Gaudreau needs to be protected in some concept or there needs to be something said or done about it. And on the other, it's just like these irrational kooks that uh, want to try and further a weird agenda or narrative. Um, but let's talk about something better that is not uh, the pride and joy of the Calgary Flames future. But let's talk about the future of uh, the season, which, I mean, it might be bleak for some people listening and it might be bleak for us on this podcast, but um, there, there are some positives on this team even, you know, in this uh, crippling darkness that is surrounding the team, I guess, like, currently, outside of, like, last night's win and uh, tonight's win. Um, what have you guys, like, really enjoyed outside of, you know, like, a Furland or the backland line? Like, what else has really stood out for you? Dougie Hamilton. <laughs> even though he's not considered good by the uh, the media and just generally the fan base right now, he's just, he's performing pretty Pretty good. He's one of the better defensemen right now, I'd say. Yeah, I'd agree with that. He was good. He was good. And what I find, what I'm finding kind of interesting is ever since it was floated, maybe this is a bit of confirmation bias on my part, but ever since it was floated, oh, the Flames are looking for a defenseman with more bite, Dougie's been attacking more people. Do you think it maybe it was just like it was put out there by the, like, by the team or by media to just kind of inspire him or... I don't know, because maybe I might just be noticing it more now since the idea was floated out there, but he's been hitting a lot more. Yeah, that was that was a weird narrative that's been floated forever. It's like, Dougie's got to be more physical, or he'll be Jay Bomeister 2.0. And then he goes and, be, you know, he is physical. Like last night, he saved a goal. He was super physical, and suddenly nobody said anything. They're like, oh, well, at least he prevented the goal. It wasn't like okay, you know, here's some confirmation that he's actually trying to round out his game in that regard. And it's kind of it's kind of weird that people can double down on that and not acknowledge it. Uh, one thing I really like this season is Matthew Station, uh, Stajan, a.k.a. Matty Franchise. Um, as much as we want to pain Galdson and uh, even the rest of the coaching staff on usage and deployment at times because it can be a little head-scratching, I think that the one thing that uh, has actually been pretty decent is how he's finding um, an opportunity to maximize whatever values left in Matt, Matt Stajan at this point in his career and with his contract. And, you know, he's playing on the fourth line, either in, on the wing or at center. And he's actually being, you know, some sort of a, a positive impact, especially not like ostensibly driving play and being, a, I guess, like a huge play driver. But the fourth line at this point without... Brandon Bullock being towed around by Matt Stajan on babysitting duty is like noticeably improved in the sense that they actually can play at the pace of the game for the most part. You look at the fourth line against the Coyotes, like no Stajan because Stajan got bumped up, but that's two guys who were in the AHL last year and Furland who is probably a bit better than that. And they were driving a lot of um, chances actually. Yeah. All three of them together. It's, I didn't really notice Hathaway and uh, Hamilton that much, but Furland was uh, really good, as we said. Yeah, like the, I think it's really hard to 
notice anything of value in like Freddie Hamilton. <laughs> he's just he's very invisible, right? Like sure. he he just serves a purpose, which I mean is replacement level, I guess. But and then Garnet Hathaway, there seems to be a love affair with him because he's just a younger, possibly more productive Boma at this point, um, which is great because. If he exists, he makes Boma potentially more expendable, um, just because it's a sunk cost. Uh, the, but just like the, like just kind of going back on that stage in there because it, it's like one of the few bright sides and one of the very few things I'm actually tuning in to watch games for now is that um, if they can maximize whatever value they can out of him, maybe it makes him a bit more appealing if he's left unprotected, and maybe Vegas takes a a flyer on him, or maybe either the flames can parlay some sort of deal if they wanted to go that route. Like Matt Stajan as a person and as somebody who's stuck around through a lot of tough times, like I love that guy and I would love to see him retire as a flame, but the, the potential opportunity of trying to maximize any value out of him and get rid of that contract at some point this season or even in the off season is really enticing as well. Yeah. I'm not, really sure. oh, not really sure they're ever going to get rid of him, but like, yeah, he's playing much better than last year. Just probably because he doesn't have David Jones and Brandon Bullock anymore. If you give Matt Stajan line mates who can actually play at an NHL level, he'll do well. Who could have seen that coming? Uh, I'm sure we wrote an article about that like seven or eight times last season and the year before that too. Um, so another bright spot, Kulak. Oh, hell yeah. yeah. Let's talk about Brett. Yeah, had this one really, really bad game against the Rangers. That was very, that was not a good game for him. But he's 22. And this is his, well, probably his first full season. He's technically still a rookie. So those are going to happen. And he finished, again, on the positive side of things, uh, possession-wise. Or I, I shouldn't say possession-wise, but shot metric-wise. And he was doing that uh, like 65% at even strength tonight and all situations. Yeah, and he's rebounded from his bad game, so there's a lot to like there. I'm just glad that he's finally getting played now. I can't believe he was sad as long as he was. That made no sense to me. What was the point of even having him up if you're just going to... Yeah. (laughs) Like, what is he going to learn from watching Nick Grossman flounder out there or the... God. It's interesting, like, because if if he continues to do this, like, I know there hasn't been a lot of discussion about Yerki Yoki Paka this season, but it, I mean, it, it's becoming increasingly clear that Yoki Paka isn't capable of playing the second pairing. He's certainly no first pairing guy. We know that, but it, it's starting to become a little obvious that maybe he, he's a six, seven at best, which I mean, he was a throw in if we really think about it when it comes on the Chris Russell deal. But, um, at, at this point, like, do you guys, I guess, over the next few games, see Yoki Paka slot back in over a Weidman or an England or a Kulak, or do you think it's going to be the same six we saw tonight? Uh, They're winning right now, so it's going to be the same six. Yeah. I'm not sure England's ever going to leave this lineup, but I think Weidman hasn't been performing, even by light standards, like up to those, up to the acceptable levels. I think maybe he comes out for a game. I don't know. I don't know really what Glenn Gulliton is doing with the defensive pairings anymore. I don't understand how Weidman goes from healthy scratch to, hey, you're our most played defenseman now. Like, Wasn't he the most played tonight, too? Um, I don't have it in front of me. I've got it up here. Oh. I'm just bringing up the ship chart right now. 
I think halfway through the second, or after the end, at the end of the second, he was like leading ice time for the Flames. Yeah, he definitely was. Second in the game behind something expire. Goligoski was the ice time leader for most of the yeah. game. Uh, Weidman finished uh, third in ice time. Um, 22 minutes, 21 seconds, uh, three minutes of that on the power play. Uh, our favorite Hamilton, who never throws a shot away, uh, finished 20 minutes, 31 seconds. Uh, got two minutes and 34 seconds of power play time, which is uh, considerably less than what he should be having. You know, he should be up around the, the three, four minute mark if there's the opportunity to utilize him that way. And um, our favorite little grain hoarder from the Ukraine, Brett Kulak, finished uh, 14 minutes, 20 seconds tonight. So got his minutes cut a little bit, but. I mean, you can't complain that he rebounded in quite a great way tonight. Um, so we should probably wrap this up. Um, so next game that comes up here Friday. Friday. What are you guys excited for potentially, and what should fans be looking for if there's one thing that you guys wanted to point out? I don't really. Line. Not sure how much there is to be excited about against the game against the Blackhawks, but um, yeah, just the M's. Yeah, three M. Just any M. Matt Stajan, Matt Kachuk, Michael Furland. Anything with M is pretty good. Except for Sean Monahan. Oh yeah. <laughs> First name M. Okay. Um, oh. I'm hoping for more strong play from Hamilton because. He's, I don't know, but it's just eye tests, I think, and confirmation bias, but he seems to have turned it on more since, oh, people are calling about you since that nonsense started up. So, uh, I'm going to throw a wild one at saying I'm hoping Sam Bennett has a strong game against the Blackhawks and maybe put some points up on the board and mm-hmm. continues to grow a little bit. I'd like to see him back at center, and I'd like to maybe see Monaghan move to the wing. I think that uh, that puts a situation in play where Bennett can play to his strengths, which is being a center and trying to see if we can develop that talent. And it puts Monaghan in a situation where he doesn't have to be trying to drive and play, you know, trying to drive play and he can be in a shoot first mentality, which I think is a big thing right now. Um, but yeah. yeah. What do we got coming up over the next couple of days here in Flames Nation though? Jeez. I don't know, dude. Um... <laughs> You're the boss. You think this is day by day? Hold on, let me check the thing. I've got something coming up, uh, I guess, next Tuesday when we usually do prospect stuff. Just about um, Flames prospects for junior chances. Oh, yeah, and world. Yeah, um, we've got a penalties thing from Ryan. Um, Boma thing from Mike. I'm going to try to do a PDO thingy I'm aiming for Friday. Uh,. And we, we really do take a lot of this just day by day. We should be more organized. We're not. That's on me. It's all good. So uh, we'll be back uh, every Thursday is the release date of the uh, official actual season of the Flames Nation podcast. We record every Wednesday night. Um, we're not going to do the mailbag tonight because it's just after midnight as we're finishing up. And uh, next week we'll actually do a a remainder mailbag of anything that Kent didn't answer in his uh, weekly mailbag. So thanks for listening. You can find us on SoundCloud. You can check us out on flamesnation.ca. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. And uh, if you 
don't like us and you're only listening to this out of spite, you can let us know directly. Uh, we really appreciate that. Fuck it, we'll do it live.